0: All of us have a story of somebody telling us about Jesus. Now that's interesting because that leads us to our fifth purpose that God wants for us. Last week we talked about serving one another. And this week we're going to talk about sharing with others about Jesus. Because all of us have a story of somebody who was scared, who was nervous, who wasn't sure what you would ask. So everybody, Every one of us had somebody who was like, didn't know that they had, didn't have like all their, uh, uh, all their questions answered. They weren't secure with all the information that they had. And yet, they themselves were courageous enough to share Jesus with you. No matter how badly they did it, no matter how Uh, uh, messed up they were, no matter how confused they were about particular doctrines, they went ahead and told you about Jesus. And in large part, you're here because of what they said. Now, the question that we're going to ask is this. If it's true that you and I are going to heaven because somebody took a risk and shared with you about Jesus, then we have to ask the question, who's going to heaven because of us? Because of who we've shared with. Now, ultimately, ultimately, Jesus brings us uh, to relationship with him, which gives us that access to heaven. But Jesus has ordained that he would use our words, our encouragement, That's what we're going to talk about today. It's so important. Now, this is our last week of PDL. Next week is Easter, and we start a brand new series called True Love. And man, I'm telling you, you want to invite the whole universe to that. I mean, just like, you know, like if you could call everybody on, I don't even, I know you don't even like everybody who's on your Facebook, right? But if you could call, you want to invite everybody. You'll never, ever have an easier invite than for next week. In in America, we have the home field advantage. Most people on Easter will eventually go to church. In fact, they're already planning on where to go. So if you ask early enough in the week, they'll come. But man, think about that as we talk through this lesson. Because everything that we do, we want to do with purpose. And one of our purposes is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. Now, there's a scary word for this a word that we don't like to use, a word that we wish we wouldn't bring up, but it's the word that the Bible uses for this very thing, and it's called evangelism. Now, I know that that's... right. When I say evangelist, do you get a picture in your mind? What's the picture in your mind when I say evangelist? What do you say? What do you say? I actually want some response. Go ahead. What is it? What is it? The guy on the subway screaming out, maybe bullhorn sometimes, right? What's What else? What else is an evangelist? Crazy person. Crazy person. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like blow you away, right? Yeah. What else? What? When you think of evangelists? Preacher. Yeah, the, the, right, the Jehovah Witnesses knocking on your door, right, right, right. Okay, so now watch this. We all have a picture of what an evangelist is, but let me just tell you, evangelist is simply, all evangelist means is gospel bringer, which means good news person, right? So it's like in Spanish we go el evangelio, right? There are some churches that are called evangel, and all that means is good news An evangelist is a person who's bringing good news. And here's the good news. God's not angry with you. He's made a way that you could have relationship with him. He's so committed to you that he sacrificed the thing that was most precious to him. And he did that all for you. Forgiveness, love, mercy, companionship, the end to loneliness. It's all found in God. Mercy and purpose, vision and strength, it's all found in Christ. This is good news and that's what we're tasked to do. To be good newsers. To share, to be like that kid that you saw that you would see in old movies. Extra, extra, read all about it, right? Except our news is good news. Our news is the best news for the whole world. This was also Jesus' purpose. We see that in John chapter 17, verse 18. It says, he says this, In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. See, Jesus came so that you, who were far from God, could have relationship with God. Isn't that good news? Yeah. Think about this. Many of us have come from a background of giving our lives to an addiction, to a lover, to something other than Jesus to make us happy. And, and God is saying, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm my own happy ending. I'm my own happy ever after. I am my own party and joy. He not only wants that for you, but he wants that you to share that with others. Now, What I want you to do is I want you to start thinking about people who don't know Jesus, who are in your life. People who desperately need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. People who haven't had that first person tell them about Jesus. I want you to be thinking about that as we look today in the gospel at a story of some friends that got together to see their friend meet Jesus. We find it in Luke chapter 5, and it is extreme. Now, one of, the, one of the traditions that we have, and we don't have a whole lot, but I love the traditions that we have, is that, and you'll see it, we'll stand at the reading of God's word. The reason that we stand is because we really believe that God is wonderful. He's holy. He's spectacular. And so I'm going to read this to you. You could just read along either out loud or in your mind. I'll read this to you. We're going to read uh, from the message. Uh, It's a translation, or paraphrase of the Bible. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. It's also in your notes if you want to look down on that. One day, as he was teaching, Pharisees and religion teachers were sitting around. They had come from nearly every village in Galilee and Judea, even as far away as Jerusalem, to be there. The healing power of God was on him. Some men arrived carrying a paraplegic on a stretcher. They were looking for a way to get into the house and set him before Jesus. When they couldn't find a way in because of the crowd, they went up on a roof, removed some tiles, and let him down in the middle of everyone right in front of Jesus. Impressed by their bold belief, he said, Friend, I forgive your sins. That set the religion scholars and Pharisees buzzing. Who does he think he is? That's blasphemous talk. God and only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking and said, Why are all this which is simpler to say, I forgive your sins or to say, get up and start walking. Well, just so it's clear that I'm the Son of Man and authorized to do either or both, he now spoke directly to the paraplegic. Get up, take your bedroll and go home. Without a moment's hesitation, he did it. Got up, took his blanket, and left for home, giving glory to God all the way. The people rubbed their eyes incredulous and then also gave glory to God. Awestruck, they said, We never seen anything like it. This is God's Word. So you see what's going on. You see that this is an extreme version of introducing some people, to Je- a person, to Jesus. And in this uh, story, we see four keys to fulfilling God's mission in the world. Four keys to being evangelist. Four keys to being the person that other people think about when they think about when they're going to heaven. Who introduced them to Jesus? Four keys. Okay. The first one is right in the text. I wonder if you see it. And you can write this down. Write this down. Um, There's a a sermon map uh, in your bulletin. You take out the bulletin and just uh, write this down. They became, here it is, concerned for their hurting friend. They became concerned for their hurting friend. Let me tell you something. When when we're talking about um, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world who's hurting and desperately needs him, we, we must be concerned, right? We must be burdened for the people. You won't share good news if you don't care. And so, here's what we really believe. We really believe that... Um, A relationship with Jesus Christ is the number one decision that you can make in your life. It'll transform your heart. It'll make the difference in your life. But more than that, we believe that we are not living the purpose of our lives unless we're tethered or united with Christ. But more than that, this church, and this is going to be controversial, this church actually believes that there's a heaven and a hell. And if that trips you up, if that trips you up, let me just explain a little bit. We believe that in eternity, we, you and I will, will spend forever somewhere. In other words, that there's a part of us that goes on forever. You go, I don't believe that. I just believe that um, we're here on this earth and there's nothing and there is no God. Well, let me just tell you, this whole conversation about purpose, if that's you, I'm so glad you're here, by the way. If that's you, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in this, I went, I heard a professor say this, they mocked the Bible, it's okay, listen, I get it, no problem. I used to be just like that, it's cool. Here's what I'm saying. If there is no God, then your argument for having any purpose at all on earth is a difficult one. In other words, if there is no God, what does it matter? What does it matter what you do? If there is no eternity, how does anything at all matter? If there this idea that people matter is a distinctly Christian idea. And the reason it's a distinctly Christian idea is cuz in Genesis it says that God created us in his image. That means with dignity with value, with worth. If there is no God and there is no purpose, then you're just another animal. I stepped on an ant before I came here, and if I put a bullet in your head, I'm just as morally culpable. If I, I have a fly trap, and I killed a bunch of flies, yay! And if I kill a baby, it's no different, because they're just animals. If I shoot a deer and eat that, it's no different than me shooting my kid and eating that. Because there's no... Because you go, no, 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 no. That's not right. It's not right to murder people. Okay, and then my, my response is, says who? Says you? You mean we went from God being the authority to you being the authority? no, 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 no. No, not me being the authority, but society at large. Well, there's some societies that believe women should be circumcised. Like those gross, disgusting um, operations where women are circumcised. There's whole societies that would vote 100%. Yep, that should be. So whose society wins? Your society or their society? You see, if there is no God, then man eat and drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die. There's no hope. You go, no, 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 no. I create my own hope. I create my own purpose. That's laughable. Because the moment you die, who cares? If you spent your life um, abusing people, or you spent your life serving people, who cares? Because your purpose is Dies with you. Why am I saying all this? Because of the point that I was making earlier. We really believe that there is a God. And we really believe that we spent forever somewhere. And if you believe that there is a God and that we spent forever somewhere, God is such a gentleman, he won't force you to be in his presence forever. All heaven and hell is, is a little bit more of what you wanted here on earth. That's all. That's all hell is. Now, we say that, and what do I mean by that? Let me just explain that for a second. That means if you wanted to be with God forever, then heaven is a little bit more than that. It continues to grow. If you wanted nothing to be with God, if you wanted not to be with God at all, then God goes, go ahead. And hell is a little bit more of that. So, if that's true, if we are eternal, or we were created for eternity, if God is who he says he is, if in fact there is a place where you get to spend time with God, you know what? If people, if people who did, wanted nothing to do with God spent went to heaven, you know what that would be for them? It would be like hell for them, because they want nothing to do with God. And so God gives people the desires of their hearts. You know, you go, but that's unfair. You know who get, who's the only one who could say it's unfair? The Christian. Because the Christian gets snatched from his desire to run away from God. God gives the Christian a new heart and gives them a desire to be with him. That's the only person who could say it's unfair. I'd, and it's unfair in a really good way. In a really good way. Well, there's this thing. So if that's true, And we need to care about our friends who don't know Jesus. If that's true, we need to care about our loved ones who don't know Jesus. If that's true, we need to care about those who are good people but don't know Jesus. We need to care. We have to have compassion. They were concerned for their hurting friend. You see that in the text here. Some men arrived carrying a paraplegic on a stretcher. They were looking for a way to get into the house and set him before Jesus. They were looking for a way. In Romans 15 too, it says this. We should all be concerned about our neighbor and the good things that will build his faith. We should all That, that should all be on our minds. Now, If we don't care, or if this is not burning in us, let me suggest that you pray. Let me recommend that you ask God. Here's the first thing. First thing is I would ask you to pray that you would ask God to soften your heart for those who don't know Jesus. First, just go, God, give me a heart to let people know about Jesus. Make me concerned, not only for their time here on Earth, but for their eternity. Secondly, I would ask you to pray for opportunities to share with them. Just pray for opportunities to share with them. I'm I'm asking God all the time, God, give me an opportunity to share the gospel. I'll do this with waitresses. I'll do this anywhere. And you don't have to do it like I do it. You could do it whichever way you want to do it. Like, I don't care how you do it. I just care that you do, because you're missing out. Here's what I've discovered. I discovered that there's more joy. I, as if this was possible, there's more joy in me seeing other people come to Christ. that it, it rivals even my own coming to Christ. It just is so precious to me that this person now has Jesus to be with them forever. Thirdly, pray that God would soften their heart. Go, oh, but you don't understand. They're really hate God, they really want nothing to do with Jesus, okay, then ask God to soften their heart. Amen. Oh, but you know what? That's Okay, let me, and let me just, there's like an elephant in the room. That is so narrow. I know, right? Here's the fallacy about the narrow argument. You know what I mean by when I say narrow? Oh, you Christians, this is why I don't like coming to church. You know what? This is the first time I've been to church in like 10 years, and this is one of the reasons why. You guys are always trying to convert people into your way. I get it. I get it, right? Like, you know, man, why why even bring this up? Why not just be a good little Christian and let everybody be? Let everybody, listen, here's here's my, my, my problem with that. Everybody, everybody's trying to convince everybody else about what Their spiritual take on life is. So I have a spiritual take on life, and my spiritual take on life is that everybody should know about Jesus and that we should all share Jesus. You have a spiritual take on life, and your spiritual take on life is that nobody should talk about Jesus. Why is your spiritual take more um, valid than my spiritual take? Your spiritual take is your spiritual take. But why should I submit to that? Why should I be obedient to that? There's an argument that goes around. It goes, you know what? Here's the problem. The problem is religion is like an elephant. Have you ever heard this before? Religion is like an elephant and with like blind men around it. And so you go to the blind men and you go, hey, what's an elephant? And the blind men come and one touches his tail and he says, oh, he's very, you know, bendable. Is, uh, it's like a worm or a snake, right? And then the other blind man tr- uh, touches um, his uh, leg. And he says, oh, man, this elephant is like a tree. He's like really strong. And then the other one touches the elephant's belly. And this, guy, this blind guy says, oh, you know what an elephant is like? An elephant is like a wall. And another guy touches his trunk and says, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. An elephant's like an anaconda. Right. And so the people who use this illustration say, you see, that's why you shouldn't really be um, strong about telling people about your take on spiritual, because you don't have the whole picture. You don't have the whole picture. You just have a little picture of spirituality. Here's the problem with the argument. You want to hear? It sounds humble, right? It sounds like a good argument. Here's the problem with the argument. The problem in the argument is that the illustration only works if you, the person who's telling the illustration, are the only person who sees. In other words, if you're the only one who sees the whole elephant then it makes sense because you see the whole elephant. So you see that one blind man has a trunk. One blind man has a leg. One blind man has the tail. One blind man has a... This illustration only works if you see. See, Now here's the thing. That's not humble. That's arrogant to say that you're the only one out of all of history who sees spiritual reality as it truly is. That's crazy. We're not going to say that. So you have a spiritual take on life. I have a spiritual take on life. And I, there's no reason in the world why I should obey that spiritual take on life. I'll just assume obey what God has said in his word. What does God say? He says, here's the deal. I'm for everyone. Black people, white people, heavy people, thin people, smart people, not so smart people, rich people, poor people. No matter where, I'm for everyone. And I want to use you to be the vehicle to tell everyone. Because all we are, listen to me, all we are is nobodies trying to tell everybody about somebody who could change anybody. That's all we are. And so, so here's the point. The point is, is that we get this oppo- opportunity to share Christ with others. And the way we start that is by building a compassion for them. And how do we build this compassion? Just start praying. Just start praying. They became concerned for their hurting friends. Secondly, they believed Jesus would save their friend. This is They, they, had, a, they had faith. They had faith. In the text, do you see it? Jesus says, impressed by their bold belief. Listen to me. He wasn't impressed by the belief of the paraplegic that was sick. He was impressed by the faith of this small group that brought their friend to Jesus. Isn't that powerful? Be impressive in your faith. Believe that Jesus can do miracles in your wife's life, in your husband's life, in your friend, in your cousin, in your daughter, in your son. Man, I'm begging Jesus, begging Jesus for people in my life to know the joy, the freedom, the liberation of knowing Christ. I'm begging Jesus for that. They believed Jesus would save their friend. In Hebrews 7.25, it says this, Jesus is able now and always, to save those who come to God through him. Now, let me ask you this. Who is too far gone in your life that Jesus can't save? Who's too far gone? But we act that way sometimes, don't we? We act like, well, I'm not going to share with them. Why? Well, because they've shut me down 15 times. Hey, listen, sometimes 16 is the charm. Well, you know what? They don't want to hear about Jesus. Uh, Listen, I get it. I get it. But let me just deviate from my notes for a second. Okay, Let me tell you why I think Jesus. And Can we talk? Can we talk? OK. So my, here's my view of the gospel in life. I don't view Jesus as just another way to live life, as just another one of many opportunities to live life. I view Jesus like the serum for a deadly disease. OK. Let me see if I can explain that for a second. So we're all going to die. Does anybody know the statistics on death? It's like 100 out of 100 people die every. Like, it, it doesn't matter. You're going to die. I'm going to die. The, the life expectancy has gone up. Doesn't matter. You're still going to die. You go, oh, man, we're going to live to be. We're gonna, our children are going to live to see 150. Don't matter. They're going to die. Don't matter. Now here's the point, here's the point. Imagine, imagine for a second if we thought, not that Jesus is just a better way to live, but that he is a serum for life. All the arguments that we have in our heads about not telling others about Jesus goes away. Because if your friend is on their deathbed, and we're all on our deathbed right now, this second, we're all on our deathbed. You got two weeks, you got two years, you got 100 years, doesn't matter. None of us are going to be here. None of us are going to be here in 100 years. So you got your your friend on a deathbed, and you go up to him, and you say this. You go, how are you doing? How's everything going? Well, things are not so good. I'm going to die. He goes, I'm sorry to hear that. How are you doing? Well, I have the serum that you desperately need, but I don't want to really share it with you, because you know, I don't want to infringe on your opinions. What would that person on the deathbed say to you? Yeah, they would say a couple of choice words to you, wouldn't they? they say, are you out of your mind? You have a serum, how do you know? It worked on me. I used to be on my deathbed, and I got the serum, and now I'm alive. What would they do? They they would say, if you let them die, they wouldn't be happy with you. They wouldn't be glad that you respected their views. If they have views against needles, they wouldn't say, you know, you know my belief about needles. You know what they would say? They would say, please give me the serum. And when we look at it that way, it's selfish not to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's selfish to say, I'm not going to do this. It's selfish to say that I'm not going to extend to you the serum for life. It's selfish. So, man, they believed that Jesus would save them. And so don't be selfish. Share Jesus with your friends. Okay. Thirdly, they didn't just pray for their friends. They brought him to Jesus. They brought him to Jesus. Uh, Write that down. Brought him to Jesus. So, we really believe in grace. So when I, the person who first brought me to a a church service as an adult that I can remember is a guy by the name of Dominic. Dominic was one of the coolest guys in junior high. He had two earrings, (laughs) two earrings. The cool kids had one earring, he had two earrings. Dominic, his life was transformed by Jesus. You know what he did? He saw me walking down the street. We got out of a train or something, saw me walking down the street. I was like, oh, wow, Dominic, how you doing? Man, it's been so long. Yeah, 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 man. In, in the span of four blocks, he shared with me that he's now going to church, Jesus changed his life, and if I'd like to come with him. Now, I did what every one of us do when some crazy Christian asks us to go to church. He goes, sure, love that. And he said, Great. I'll see you on Sunday. I was like, see you then. That was easy. Go upstairs. So right, he walks next to me. What do I do? I go, all right, later. Oh, is this your house? Yep, see you. Bye bye. Go upstairs. Sunday morning, I'm relaxing. I'm in the bathtub. Edwin, because we're Puerto Rican. We live in Brooklyn. We don't believe in bells. Edwin. I was like, you're kidding me. This cat can't? So, so what I do, I, I open up the thing. I look out the window. And I go, hey, Dominic. Hey, Ed, you coming, right? I said I would, didn't I? <laughs> Give me a minute. Took like 45 minutes to get ready, hoping that he would go away. But Dominic, he obviously had done this before. And he gave us a whole hour ahead so that we could make it to the service on time. Dominic knew what he was doing. We went to the service. I hated it. never went back to that church again. was a crazy lunatic place? Here's my point. Two years later, when I was looking for God, after I had gone through my Buddhist phase, when I was looking for God, I went back to that same building. Now there was another church there. What's the point? That was a deposit that Dominic made. He took the initiative. I would have never gone he inconvenienced himself, he woke up an hour early, he gave himself all the time in the world so he wouldn't be frustrated with a knucklehead like me who was totally infringing on his time. And he, listen to me, I've never seen or heard from Dominic since that day, it's been over 20 years. I've never seen. If Dominic is no longer coming to church, if Dominic right now is discouraged And says nobody's ever come to Christ. If Dominic is hearing a message like this and going, you know, I've never brought anybody to Christ, I'd love to take a selfie with all of us here right now. And just go, oh, Dominic, you don't have any idea of the impact that you've had. If there's anybody, listen to me, if there's anybody who deserves credit for the movement that we're experiencing now, Dominic. You've never heard him preach, you've never seen him share the gospel. He's had an impact on your lives. All of you will be waiting online to shake his hand. Go, thanks for inconveniencing yourself. Thanks for not just inviting, thanks for bringing. Thanks for not just bringing, but thanks for caring. Thanks for going the extra mile. Man. Finally, they didn't just pray for their friend, they brought him to Jesus, and then they didn't let difficulties discourage them. It didn't let difficulties discourage them. You know that difficulties are going to happen, right? Yes. None of you are going to go through the difficulties that they went through in this text. How many of you are going to have to remodel somebody's house to get your friend to know Jesus? They actually. Do you see that? They go. They said, um, "What is it?" When they couldn't find a way in because of the crowd, they went up upon the roof removed some tiles and let him down in the middle of everyone right in front of jesus that's gangster. that's awesome like if right now if right now like some of the roof started to come down i'd be like what is going on holy cow like that would interrupt the sermon right that would be like i don't even like when y'all walk around in the bathroom when i'm preaching right jesus is preaching in this house and the whole roof is like wait uh jesus hold up a second Whoa, whoa! you know, like they're bringing, they're carrying this guy down by ropes. That's awesome. They went to any length. They did not get discouraged. What discourages you? Oh, but they tell me no. Oh, but they never come. Oh, but they always insult me or they always curse at me or they always, you know, uh, threaten me. They always, come on. So what? So what? You know what the Bible says? When Peter was beaten, was beaten, and I'm not just talking like, you know, a little pow-pow. When he was beaten with sticks, when he was whipped for Jesus, that they, they went home singing, not because they're crazy, but because they said, "I." And they're rejoicing in the fact that they were counted worthy to suffer for Christ. Christianity is not meant to be the easier, softer way. Christianity is meant to be the way of being loved and loving Jesus, of being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So let me ask you something. Who's going to be in heaven because of you? Now, were you thinking about that person? Were you thinking about the person that I asked you to think about at the beginning of the service? Would you Listen to me. Would you start thinking about them? would you start pondering them? Would you start praying that God would give you a heart to ask them? Maybe it's ten people. I'm telling you. Seven out of ten. For Easter, we have Palm, um, this is Palm Sunday. Happy Palm Sunday. Um, (laughs) Yes, Jesus in the procession. Watch this. If Jesus would ride in to Jerusalem on a donkey, which represented that he was riding in in peace, and Jesus has gone so far as to ride in, on, in your heart to introduce peace to your heart. Wouldn't you want to be like the donkey? The thing that Jesus rides on to go to tell somebody else about the gospel of Jesus Christ? The thing that Jesus uses to let the world know about his peace? Wouldn't you like to be like that? I want that for you. You have, If you invite ten people... Seven people will come. That's how good the odds are for you. What are you waiting for? I know, I know. Some of you go, listen, I don't do the. It's a political season, so I don't talk about politics. I don't talk about religion. I don't talk about these things. You know what? If people are going to know about Jesus, they're going to know him because I, I, I don't talk about him. I just live my life and let them see my life well lived. I just think that that's such an arrogant claim because even Jesus talked to people about Jesus. Like, even Jesus opened his mouth. So, think about that. You're more holy than Jesus? People can know the gospel by just looking at your life? Now, there's a bunch of you. You're going to be making, um, you're going to be going to uh, uh, gatherings, you're going to be going to meetings, you're going to be going to, and you could especially those of us who make 12-step meetings, never disrespect where you're at. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Never disrespect where you're at. When, we go to, when you go to our meetings, when I go to my meetings, I never break traditions, I never... Don't you do that. Don't you do that. That would, that would not help our cause, okay? But here's what you can do. After the meeting, get there. Uh, stay a- a- after the meeting. Before the meeting, call people that you've been making meetings with for years. And say, hey, man, we've been making meetings for years. Would you come to a, a service with me? It's a great 12 o'clock service that I'd love for you to come to. And people will go. Please do that. Finally, I just want to say this. Next week on Sunday, we have, we have um, Good Friday service, right? Invite everybody. We're going to do our best to proclaim the gospel. It's going to be awesome. We're going to do our best. Now, here's the deal. On Sunday, when you invite people for Easter on Sunday, if none of you show up to the 10 o'clock service, the 10 o'clock service is going to be full. If everybody here decided to go to the 12 o'clock service, I need 100 of you. I need 100 of you to go to the 12 o'clock service. We need to move, we need to, because people are going to come for the first time, and I'm telling you, if they can't get in, if they can't get in, so would you consider, who would consider, who would consider coming who, all right, better, yet, better than considering. Who will make a commitment to come to the 12 o'clock service? Just raise your hand. I just want to see it. Now watch this. Just keep your hands up. Just keep your hands up. Watch this, guys. Just keep your hands up. Listen, guys, this is wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is not 50 people. Listen to me. I know you're thinking, oh, somebody else, will, everybody else, and I'll be the only one. Listen, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. I'm telling you guys, we're not going to have enough room. We're simply not. And you go, oh, I know. Thank you. You can put your hands up. You go, I know, I'm just not going to come. Oh, that defeats the whole stinking purpose, doesn't it? You just mess, you just, you just forgot the whole message, right? You're going to bring people, right? Okay, listen to me. I don't have any sexy way of ending this sermon. I don't have no cool illustration. Here's what I'm saying. Would you please, 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 come to the 12 o'clock service. Invite friends. People that would thank you for all of eternity. Would you do that? If you do that, you'll be living missionally. Now, for those of you who got into small groups during this season of Purpose Driven Life, I just want to say this. You have an opportunity to start talking with your small group. And going this doesn't have to end we can continue forward with this there's wonderful ways that your group can get involved wonderful ways that your group could yeah could love each other well and live and grow in Christ together would you please consider talking in your group about what it would look like to go on I know uh, uh, Pastor Gus and the small group uh, leaders have ideas about curriculums that would help you grow and would help you um, mature and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It'll be good for you. So I pray that you do that as well. Thank you so much for coming to this purpose-driven life. I pray that every one of you invite at least ten people to next service. I mean, to the Sunday service, and that you would come at twelve o'clock, and you'll see how God can change lives.